Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist, podcaster and Hong Kong guy. And I am joined as ever by my beautiful beautiful co-host and Thai guy. Uh, Wow, Um, Sam Asher. (laughs) I'm a writer, I'm a director. And uh, I think we should have themed introductions every episode, not to put too much uh, work onto your shoulders, Dan, but uh, I enjoyed that oh, very I'm, much. I'm fine with that. But also, I would like to say that you can be the Hong Kong guy if you want. Like, I, also, <laughs> there were two Hong Kong guys, both just called Hong Kong guy. So, like, I'm not saying you're the baddie, Sam. I just I just liked the, the naming convention of this film. Hey, I enjoy all of it. It's all good. And uh, as you may or may not have guessed, Precious Arrowhead, we are here to talk about Boxer's Omen or possibly talk around Boxer's Omen in my case. I'll get onto that in a little bit in a second. But Dan, without giving too much away, what is the plot of Boxer's Omen? The plot of Boxer's Omen is Hong Kong guy versus Thai guy, but with a star filter. (laughs) Yep, that's it. Perfect. (laughs) That's it. That's everything. I'll be a little bit more thorough. (laughs) (laughs) Boxer's Omen is from the later period of the Shaw Brothers canon when they kind of were like what the fuck do we do now and the answer was everything everything in one film a hong kong boxer known uh, conveniently as hong kong guy is in a mixed martial arts fight or a, a, a boxing match in thailand and gets hospitalized very unfairly after a win is called by his opponent conveniently named thai guy his brother also at this point called hong kong guy is visited by a glowing monk who tells him that he needs to leave hong kong where he seems to have some kind of dabblings with criminals that doesn't really come up again to go to thailand and defeat thai guy because of something it's unclear. He goes to Thailand where he is ostensibly kidnapped by monks and oh, right. he now has to train whoa, whoa, whoa. to be a celibate monk. Yes. Uh, no, no, like, we're, we're like 10 minutes in. <laughs> where he will be retrained as a monk and then essentially spend the next three quarters of the film on a side quest. All right, there we go. And, perfect. And that is the plot. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Now, even though I just uh, stepped in and shouted, whoa, 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 I'm not actually going to stop you in this episode, Dan, I promise. But I personally don't want to say too much about Boxer's Omen as it's such a special and unique experience. I went into it completely cold, thinking it was a normal Shaw Brothers movie, and it oh, absolutely no. <laughs> blew my mind. I will talk around it, obviously. I'm not just going to sit here in silence, so people still get to hear what I think, but I'm just going to do it without getting specific on moments and scenes. This is a restriction I'm placing on myself because all I want to do is just go, oh, and there's this amazing bit, and there's this amazing bit, and oh, do you remember this, Dan? And I think that could potentially ruin it for um, so many people listening to this because this will be 100% one of the most underseen movies we've ever covered. But my God, it's one of the best. Is that fair enough, Dan? It's absolutely fair enough. This is a movie that was ostensibly missing from the Shaw canon for a yeah. number of years. It wasn't originally part of their uh, their official output that was purchased by Celestial, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not included on the Z-Eagle, the, the, the box that Celestial put out. Oh, interesting. Uh, with all of the films on it. So I had to hunt it down separately from that. I had had it on VHS back in the 90s, before that, like a, a terrible old glass plate sub of it. It's one of the weirdest films ever. Mm. I I do like I, I agree with you that we probably shouldn't like fully spoil it but i also do think that you could literally describe this film to someone frame by frame and they would and then watch it 
and they would still be absolutely flabbergasted by what they see. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's 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 impossible to impart how fucking mad this film is. Absolutely, from you know moment to moment, second to second, like there's just so much truly crazy and imaginative stuff in here and i agreed to do it as an episode so that we could highlight it because if you're listening to this podcast you must must watch this movie you'll love it for its wild tone and its beautiful imagery i adore it it's one of my all-time favorites full of truly glorious special effects and moments that will drop your jaw to the center of the earth it is as dan says truly truly insane and i spoke to someone this week who's never seen aliens dan someone in their late 20s who has never seen aliens so the age of the the movie the popularity of the movie doesn't matter there will always be someone out there who hasn't seen stuff especially when it's as obscure as boxer's omen so yeah i'm gonna hand the mic over to you who i completely trust to not spoil any of the best moments of this movie can you talk us through your experience in more detail of the first time you watched it so i'm gonna allude to some moments cool in the film, yeah but i'm but i'm not gonna be too detailed uh i watched this for the first time i'm gonna say late teens early 20s mm-hmm. quite a lot of weed going around uh, it was that kind of era <laughs> like everyone was pretty intoxicated and none of us knew what to expect it was a Shaw Brothers film we knew we liked Shaw Brothers films we'd seen one on Swordsman we'd seen like a handful of others (laughs) this was the first weird Shaw Brothers that I saw Mm -hmm. and oh my days like weirdly like i think now it's become infamous enough that even though it was hard to get hold of harder to get hold of maybe even than some of the other weird shaw brothers films it was it was one of those ones that was sort of whispered about like you know in the corridors boxes omen that one's fucking mad even compared to things like sort of bloody parrot battle wizards like those films are fucking crazy this film is crazy but if you like your spiders and your alligators fat if you, if you like if you like your porridge evil then boxer's omen is the film for you it's got absolutely everything you could want it's got a skinless lady that could compete with hellraiser 2 except i mean you know not in a quality of effects way but in a can you shoot lasers way <laughs> it's got reanimated skeletons while there's a lot of animal death in it the vast majority of it is not real you yeah. don't have to look away from most of the animal stuff mm-hmm. there is a chicken beheaded in the film which yeah. is horrible obviously yeah. i don't like it but uh so be warned at one point there is a rooster beheaded and then if you are me and the one thing that really still fucking grosses you out is food stuff then there is one of the most fucking unpleasant sequences in the history of cinema yeah maybe even one or two but yeah yeah oh my god the three wizards passing the (laughs) i can't even say it yeah right anyway but it's also got a lovely little travelogue segment it sure has it sure has you want to see what nepal looks like yeah just skip in don't skip in watch all of it yeah don't 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 ever skip well i'm not going to talk about my first time watching it instead i'm going to talk about my favorite time watching it it was when uh, the animator stop motion animator lee hardcastle was staying at dan's house when i used to live there and he asked me for a film recommendation and i said let's all watch boxer's omen so i don't know if you remember this what a treat yeah Do you remember and I, I just I will never ever ever forget 
a lee's reactions throughout the whole movie but b the kind of beautific expression on his face at the end like i feel like we'd shown him the light i felt like his life had been forever changed after watching boxer's omen he actually took a tiny bit of convincing to watch it but i think he went down a different path that day because yeah his mind exploded as will yours precious arrowhead when you watch this movie like there is no one who is immune to to boxer's omen it's not a movie that you watch it's a movie that commands you (laughs) Um, i I watched it i didn't want to watch it i didn't want to re-watch it alone Mm. for this episode because that isn't the kind of film this is this isn't to sit down like you know put your phone in the kitchen sit down in the living room pay attention be austere like you do the film does deserve your attention but it also deserves camaraderie and a group of friends of course yeah it's 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 like a it's a festival film. It's a festival film for your house. And I watched it with a friend of mine who hadn't seen it before, but who has watched a couple of Shaw Brothers films with me and has always enjoyed them, but has not seen any of the weird ones. So this is his first proper weird Shaw Brothers film. And at the end, his first sentence was, well, I'm glad I've seen it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Well, uh, unfortunately, my uh, mine and Shay's schedules this week has meant that we weren't able to watch it together, which I'm really, really sad about because I actually did watch it on my own for this. But we, we will watch it together at some point, and maybe I'll report back. Maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll get a quick interview in with her after watching it because I have a feeling that this is gonna Shay is gonna be one of the true converts to this. She's gonna absolutely love it if she hasn't seen it before. It's a masterpiece. So it is a true masterpiece. You know, performances perfect, special effects perfect, lighting perfect, script pure insanity, but also perfect. Puppet bats perfect. Yeah. Hopefully (laughs) if if you have seen it, you'll totally get my desire to preserve the experience. And if you haven't seen it, buy it on Blu-ray, get the big Shaw Brothers Volume 2 box set. Watch it on Arrow streaming service because it is on there at the moment and it, it looks beautiful, beautiful on the streaming service. But yeah, however you watch it, watch it and thank us later. Dan, do you have any more thoughts on Boxer's Omen? Not that aren't super spoilery. Yeah. It, I, I will say that it, it, it feels like all of the Shaw Brothers films were put into a blender. Like it has... <laughs> yeah it has kind of training montages it has magic it has revenge mm-hmm. it has fat crocodiles it's everything it's everything horror it's got horror yeah horror it's got uh it's got someone shitting a lot of blue paint but dan you're doing it again <laughs> <laughs> honestly like i said i don't like every now and then that every now and then we do a film where i wish that the format of our podcast was one of those podcasts where we literally just describe the film yeah blow for blow. because i would have so much fun Absolutely. going through this like moment by moment yeah. and just living it again yeah now with you but yeah we, we don't do that sadly but yeah. but yeah honestly yeah and i i of all of the films we've watched i it's it wouldn't be fair to say it was the best one we've we've reviewed, mm-hmm. but I would say it's fair to say it's the one I recommend the highest. Yeah, and maybe the one I recommend the most frequently in a weird kind of way. Yeah, I totally hear you, and I know I know there's going to be some of the 
lovely, lovely, beloved arrowheads who are going to leave us a one-star review because uh, <laughs> we haven't uh, gone through this in the way that you describe. But this isn't that kind of podcast. It really isn't. We're about... Rec- Just at me on Twitter there and I'll go. describe it to you. Perfect. Which one tweet at a time. Perfect. But the, the whole kind of ethos of this podcast is that we are here to recommend stuff. It's why we do recommendations based on the film. It's why we do recommendations based on what we've been watching. We want to spread the joy of cinema as much as possible and preserve that experience for people as much as possible. So if you have seen it and you were expecting more of a breakdown, I really do hope that you understand why we want to share this experience, this first time watch experience with as many people as possible. And I hope that the recommendations that people have had from this podcast has made the absence of spoilers worth it uh, in the long run, because, you know, we really hope that everyone listening to this podcast has found something new from what we talk about because that really really is both of our passion all right let's move on to recommendations based on the movie i'm gonna go first because i'm very worried that we have a crossover (laughs) as uh it's possible insane as this film is like there are some very specific recommendations that you can make from it one of which is the seventh curse from 1986 did you have that on your list not mine no but um you're all safe yeah, so that uh, Seventh Curse is uh, a movie that one reviewer described as weird and crude, gross and tasteless, silly and shocking, but God, is it fun. You could apply that review to Boxer's Omen pretty easily. So, yeah, The Seventh Curse, it's more absolute insanity that I'm not going to spoil. I recommend it. Dan, what's first from you based on Boxer's Omen? It's another Hong Kong sort of supernatural action flick. It's more of a period picture. It's from 1984. It stars its own director, which you know is a seal of approval. It's Chung Yan Yuen's Taoism Drunkard, which is wow, a treat. <laughs> you'll, you'll know Chung Yan Yuen when you see him because he's in a, a shitload of stuff, including Once Upon a Time in China and The Matrix. IMDb would definitely say that the thing he's most famous for is uh, he was in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle as, and I quote directly from the credits, deranged Mongol. So cool. Towers and Drunkard is an astonishing film. It's not quite as unrelentingly insane as uh, <laughs> as um, Boxer's Omen, but the reason it's so connected to Boxer's Omen for me is that between the very first watch of Boxer's Omen and then being able to see it again many, many years later, I must have seen Towers and Drunkard and combined the two movies in my head. So when I watched Boxer's Omen again, there was a scene in Boxer's Omen that I was absolutely convinced was missing. Now, it was never in Boxer's Omen. It is in Towers and Drunkard. And you may have seen clips of it. In fact, I think they played a clip of it at the Duke Mitchell party at Frightfest some year in the past. But it's ostensibly a sort of cannonball, possibly a watermelon, with angry teeth chasing people around. It looks like uh, like one of those bullets from Mario. <laughs> but but that is, it's, it's very much that kind of aesthetic, like crazy papier-mâché puppets attacking martial artists who really deserved better excellent yeah that's a great recommendation um i've got a good feeling about this uh fortnight's recommendations because i am going to go into oily maniac which is uh aside Lovely. from boxer's omen oily maniac is my favorite short brother horror picture it's kind of half revenge film it's kind of a crime movie but also a monster movie it really reminds me of stuff like the toxic avenger feels like it could have been an influence on that film 
And uh, that's one thing to mention about these kind of Shaw Brother horror films. I feel that they're really, really influential on a lot of directors in terms of the energy and the movement and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like Sam Raimi was definitely a fan of international cinema when he was making Evil Dead 2. You can see so many connections between the Shaw Brothers horror stuff and what Sam Raimi does. But anyway, Oily Maniac is uh, a little bit trauma and I feel like Boxer's Omen is also a little bit trauma. So I'm going to go with it. Oily Maniac, it is mental. <laughs> the music in particular is very interesting. That's all I'm going to say about that. Oily Maniac, it's crazy. I recommend it. Dan, how do you feel about Oily Maniac and what's next from you? I love Oily Maniac. It's got some problems. It's a little uncomfortable at times. Yes. But overall, it's an astonishing film uh, and everybody should watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's why um, I put it in the same category as Troma because it is, you know, it does have kind of problematic stuff but overall it's uh it's more than the sum of its parts let's put it that way yeah no absolutely totally fair well you want a film that's a little bit trauma sam oh i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna recommend you a treat it's from 1983 it's a i i, I think it's malaysian mm -hmm. it's a very very fucking obscure horror film asian horror film it has recently been released on uh blu-ray in the states by i think they're called error 444 i missed out on it i'm absolutely gutted i'm currently debating how much i'm willing to spend on a fucking scalped version i do have my old uh vcd of it still it's called red spell spells red did we watch this together sam we didn't no oh my god sam you're gonna love it i mean i, I it does have some animal stuff in it so i warn you about that because you know it's a 1983 asian horror but oh my days uh, a documentary team are making a film out in malaysia and they accidentally open the tomb of the red dwarf ghost uh, and then they uh, they go on with their film unknowing that they uh, they have been followed by a, a ghost a spirit that's going to murder them one by one and it is some of the most outlandish filmmaking that has ever been committed to screen it is quite frankly like it's as it's as astonishing as uh, as boxer's omen it, it doesn't have quite the same spectacle as boxer's omen i think it was cheaper than boxer's omen if you can imagine such a thing because some of the stuff in boxer's omen like some of the sets are really impressive yeah absolutely. I, uh, I was wondering actually i have a question for you about boxer's omen you know that scene where they go and visit the magic mushroom Mm -hmm. and there's that huge buddha face in the floor of the temple mm -hmm. have you seen that in another shaw brothers movie because there's no fucking way they just made that for boxer's omen like that uh. must be left over from something else like that bridge at the end of one armed swordsman 2 yeah. turns up in like 50 fucking films uh, absolutely yeah no i hear what you're saying i actually can't think of it um, right no, now. I, I don't yeah. think I've seen it in anything no. else. I'm going to have to start watching films that were made like three to five years before <laughs> Boxes Over just to try and work out where that came from. Yeah, no, interesting. Yeah, a absolutely. And yeah, you've kind of inspired me. I'm going to do one more recommendation, partly to make up for the fact that, <laughs> you know, I didn't really go into too much detail about Boxer's Omen. So I'm going to give a, a bonus recommendation to make up for that. And it is the Magnificent Mystics in Bali from 1981. Oh, wow, yeah. And uh, speaking of films that I feel like influenced Sam Raimi going into Evil Dead 2, um, it was released in the same year as the original Evil Dead and I feel like Sam may have seen it on some <laughs> festival tour or something, I don't know, but Mystics in Bali is 
uh, another insane movie. Not quite as insane as Boxer's Omen, but it definitely has its moments. Some similar gross stuff and some similar let's just say special effects stuff it's certainly in a key concept within the movie that's all i'm going to say about that um <laughs> but yeah it's I'm, I'm in fact i'm not going to say anything more about mystics in bali i'm going to do this again i'm just going to highlight it and say please please watch mystics in bali in a double bill with boxer's omen if you want to be certified as legally insane because i think it will possibly break you but in a good way there is there's an out-of-print uh, Mondo Macabro DVD floating around, which you can pick up secondhand. Cool. It's it's not the easiest film to get hold of, but it is. It's well worth your time. Yeah, it's magical. Absolutely magical. That is it for recommendations based on the film. Dan, what is first from you based on the movies we've been watching over the past couple of weeks? So from the last couple of weeks, I had the first, well, a little while ago, I had the first Radiance Films Blu-rays delivered and they sat beckoning me at the top of my pile for a few few weeks. But I, I got round to watching The Working Class Go to Heaven, which, oh my days, I've, I, lo- I love this film. It's a, a very strong sort of like socialist ethos picture from Italy. It is about a factory that has moved to piecework, which is where the, you know, the, the the people working in the factory get paid based on the number of things that they make rather than their time at the factory which is beneficial for a few very fast people who are used to set the the standard and very unbeneficial for the for the others thus enforcing a little mirror of social hierarchy into the working class space and it follows a man who is at the beginning very into this idea he's quite anti-union because the unions are anti-peacework because he's the best at peacework and then after an accident in the workplace he suddenly becomes incredibly and and virulently pro the union space and it's it's a it's a really interesting allegorical story i'd say it, it needs more than one watch to really fully absorb it but it's very very interesting to watch like now especially with all the strikes going on in england and and what i feel like is probably a general strike approaching with the 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 growing wealth gap in our country and and a lot of people feeling very left behind it's a really interesting film to to revisit in our in our current space yeah the working class go to heaven absolute masterpiece excellent wonderful and if you like this podcast you will like radiance's releases because uh the the guy who runs it fran simeone used to work at arrow and uh i feel like he's a fan of the podcast because already he's releasing uh, a couple of titles that we've recommended in the past including miami yeah. blues which is uh, out on blu-ray from them and uh still to come is she dies tomorrow which obviously we not only recommended we spoke to the director and um yeah come on mate hit us up for some extras uh only kidding (laughs) only kidding arrow video we would never work with the enemy um but yeah buy radiance film stuff (laughs) i think that was nice and balanced (laughs) Um, i'm gonna move on to recommendations from what i've been watching and i watched a really special documentary it's on the criterion channel Uh, i'm sure there's other ways to watch it but it's called karen dalton in my own time which is a very fascinating and moving documentary about Karen Dalton, obviously, who was a folk singing contemporary of Bob Dylan. She was actually idolised by Dylan, but a series of unfortunate decisions and tragic events kept her from having the kind of mainstream success of someone like Dylan. Um, But her voice was insane. 
beautiful, beautiful singing voice, like a cross between Billie Holiday and Joanna Newsom. It's very, very distinctive, very, very powerful. And those who know her work adore it. Nick Cave appears several times in this documentary, and he is particularly passionate in this movie. You know, he talks about hearing a song and having to pull over his car. It had such an impact on him. So, yeah, it's a really well put together documentary with very beautiful music, as you'd expect, and genuinely very interesting stories with something very important to say about talent and success and luck, I guess, as well. It is a sad story, but it's one definitely, definitely worth experiencing. Uh, yeah, Karen Dalton, in my own time, I recommend it. Dan, what is up last from you in the recommendations based on the past couple of weeks section? I So I, I almost didn't include this film in my recommendations because in the grand scheme of things, it annoyed the absolute fuck out of me. Oh, but but I but I think it's really interesting to watch from a from a perspective of what gets made. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's a really interesting film. It's it's called Serenity. It's not the Joss Whedon one. It's directed by Stephen Knight, who you'll probably know as a writer more than as a director. He wrote Eastern Promises, among mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. I think he might have written Dirty Pretty Things. That's off the top of my head. I'd have to double check that. But yeah, he's um he's an interesting interesting writer, and he wrote this as well as directing it. But it's it has that real like that real feeling of a writer who's very pleased with themselves about it all the way through. Mm-hmm. It it does its big twist at the midpoint, and then the rest of the film is is ostensibly a sort of character study of what that twist means, which I I think is quite a bold choice, and I don't want people not to try that mm-hmm. because just because it it slightly annoyed me in this film doesn't mean that it annoys me as a concept. I think right. it's. I think it's 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 interesting. It's I mean it's got a it's got a pretty big big cast. It's Anne Hathaway and Matthew McConaughey. The fact that you haven't heard of it, if you haven't, with that cast, it should be indicative of how well it was received. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird film. It's got quite a Wild Things vibe to it. It's set in a sort of like a like a little island, but it has a very wherever it is that uh, like Louisiana kind of feel to it. In that in that kind of grimy, sweaty, oh everyone's doing fishing kind of vibe mm-hmm. you get from Wild Things. McConaughey plays a sort of Captain Ahab character who's obsessed with catching this one big fish to the point that he is uh, like losing money going out day after day wasting money on fuel not catching anything else uh, he's he takes tourists out fishing um and then like has to refund them because if they get a sniff of this one special fish uh he won't let them do the fishing he has to have the rod in his hand and then he's visited by a woman from his past played by Anne Hathaway I won't go any further than that but it's really interesting it plays itself as a sort of like greasy neo-noir in the same way that Wild Things does but it's but it's very different in a lot of ways as well and one of the things that's interesting is how how the director has and writer director played with the idea of using things that feel off in the world to indicate things about the world i think it's it's very well structured it's it's not that well structured there's a lot of there's a lot of things about the structure that are excellent it's just that there's like a couple of things about the structure that are disastrous The, the thing is there's other stuff that i could have chosen that was just good right but this is fascinating yeah and i genuinely think it's it's worth 
seeing. I think it's okay. worth talking about. Okay, good. Yeah, and I, I've I've also seen this one, and despite everything that I said <laughs> in this episode so far, this is one that I'd be really tempted to spoil. I'm not going to, but more of a a, a warning. It's than all right, any... don't worry. They they spoil it halfway through. So <laughs> I know, but then there's kind of more to it, isn't there? And um, yeah, yeah. It, I, but I'm not going to because I think that people shouldn't even spoil the films they hate because there's a chance that someone out there has different taste to you and might enjoy it and i can see your conflict with this film because it is kind of poorly structured and it is very self-congratulatory but there is stuff in here that's kind of resonant with the the world we're in right now as well it's a very very weird film so yeah if you sound intrigued by that then uh why not i'll also recommend that you watch it even though i kind of hated it yeah. But that's the thing. Like I, I, I think that's kind of the quality of it is that it's it's different enough to be worth watching even mm-hmm. if you didn't like it. Yeah. And that's kind of rare. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And oh. I you know what? Like I, I so heavily endorse people trying something new. Like not just sticking to the traditional like can you imagine a, a, a fucking Matthew McConaughey movie now? Like trying to pull the shit that this was doing. I mean, and let's you know gloss over Texas Chainsaw Four. But like, what <laughs> I'm saying is like, at, 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 in the comparative late stages of his career, mid stages, now stages of his career. I'm not saying he's done. They saw something in this. They wanted to do something that was different. This feels like a one for me for the people involved. You know, the one for me, one for you, one for the studio, one for me, one for oh, the studio yeah. kind of ethos. Yeah, yeah. It feels like one of those. And and yeah, it's a bit of a misfire, but it's but it's interesting. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I'd I'd rather have you know, ten of these kinds of movies than one just really grinding it out, predictable by the numbers, um, thriller or superhero yeah. movie or whatever. It's harder and harder to make original stuff these days. So I'm not going to shit on someone for trying to make something that's. Uh, unique and strange so yeah all right I'll, I'll back that recommendation and that is the end of the recommendation section if you want more recommendations from me then head on over to patreon.com forward slash vhs quest where there will be around 80 weird and wonderful recommendations for you more in line with uh, boxer's omen than uh, serenity possibly but uh yeah head on over to vhs quest and there will be 80 movies that I've never talked about on this podcast before. Extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra features. Extra features. That's fuck all. Yeah, yeah. The, no extra features. Um, you know, maybe next time, but probably not. Uh, all right. What's, uh, what's going on with you, Dan, in terms of how people can join your circle of trust communication and trust yeah how how can they do that if they want to right now i'm on i'm on twitter yeah yeah at uh presumably at the time of recording i'm on twitter at 13 finger effects and then the same on instagram i'm trying to sort of spread my my cool behind the scenes penises across the two across the two by the time this episode comes out Mm -hmm. there's a chance it definitely would have played at Berlin. It may may be out in the UK. I can't do the maths off the top of my head. So maybe I can share some more stuff as well. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Go go follow me there. I'll I'll talk about, you know, Infinity Pool and and then soon I'll be talking about other things like Azrael and Horoscope and all the other stuff. All the th- other things I've worked on. Yeah. It's gonna be a good year for Dan Martin fans, so do stay tuned. He's a very, very busy chap. 
And uh, busy boy. Yeah, for me, I am at the time of recording still on Twitter, but uh, there's every chance that if someone hacks me, that I will delete it uh, because I will never pay for a blue tick. I didn't even want one when they were free, so I certainly don't want one now. No offence to anyone who has one, including you, Dan. I see. I know it's an important tool of communication, but... Um... It's my proudest moment, Sam. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that's no shade to anyone who has a blue tick. That's it, unless you have any final words to say about Boxer's Omen, Dan. Uh, I love it. Yes. Uh, it's gross. It's mad. It's weird. It's the best film. It sure is. Thank you so much for listening and we promise to be more professional next time. Next time. Bye-bye.